Media Podcast. What's your narrative? Hey, you know what? We have a great movie coming up for a second hour. Yes, we do. It's called Fences. Uh, let's check that out. Second hour, I mean second half hour, because I'm getting tired. Yes, let's yeah. go for that. That movie um, is Fences. We should have spent more time on that movie. That should have been the first movie. <laughs> Fences is our, is our 2016 release with Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Yes. Based and, uh, on the August uh, Wilson play of the same name from 1985. Um, and fun fact, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis were both in the 2010 revival of the play, won Tony Awards for their work. It's essentially a slice of life story um, regarding this family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, for the longest time, I didn't even know black people were in, in uh, Pittsburgh. I thought all the black people in Pennsylvania were in Philly. But then Wiz Khalifa came out and that blew my mind. So, also, August Wilson did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So, um, definitely check those out. And Denzel Washington, as he even said, for the rest of his career, he's going to work to get August Wilson's works adapted into films. Both movies, Fences, as well as uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, did really well on the award circuit and um, got a lot of praise. But, Let's get into it. What y'all think of your boy Denzel Washington in this role and Troy Maxson, how bold this nigga is. Uh, let's kick this off with you, uh, JT. Man. You know, uh, Troy, got a, Troy got a serious complex. And, uh, you know, when, when you come up, you see him, he's trying to be a hard man. You know, and uh, it, it, it really don't suit his family well. You know what I'm saying? So it was pretty interesting to see him come to certain realizations over time. But most of the time when he was coming to realizations, it was because he was halfway through a bottle. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so uh, the movie does a really good job peeling back the onion-like layers of, of Troy as a man, as a human, as a person, and all the things that he had to do. So you learn a lot about Denzel's character, and, and uh, Denzel has a bunch of monologues. Because you got to remember, at, at the end of the day, this was a play that got adapted to a movie. And I think the movie suffers a little bit from some of that dialogue and some of the, the setups because it feels more play-ish than movie-ish in many, many portions. But if you understand that and you accept that and you can get over it, then the movie, I think, is, is fine. Fantastic. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, it was really, it was uh, just a little... When you when you notice that it's a play, you could tell, you would hear about the, con- the, the yep. dialogue and the, uh, the back and forth commentary you know from character to character it really just kind of feels playish and so in on the one hand i almost felt like they could have done a whole movie in the backyard you know like probably like the play was that's what done. it felt you like it felt saying? like it was all in the backyard right but it, it wasn't all but like even the stuff out there it didn't build the world well you know what i'm saying like we 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 kind of got talked to we didn't see troy come back day after day after day you know another week here another week there you know what I'm saying? So uh, it was just a little bit of world building that I would have liked to see sprinkled in there along with. But what the play did really well is the play had dialogue that built the world an acceptable amount. Hmm. 
So, you know, that, I think a lot of the dialogue in this one moved it absolutely. It, it is complete polar opposite of what's love got to do with it. The dialogue is the thing that drives the story. The people that when they're talking, what they say actually matters and it's relevant and, 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 and it's going to you know come back and be something that matters later. So uh, much fabulous writing in this movie. Um, so I felt like the dialogue was refreshing, actually. I felt like we had a lot of uh, we have a lot of films that come out right now and they don't do character development. They don't do anything to be able to give you what the character is thinking and feeling at that point in time. And I, w- I, I was sitting down with my wife when we was watching it and I told my wife, I said straight up, I said that like it feels like Troy Maxson's character is not only just a character, but he's the narrator for every person inside of that actual space, inside of that room. Because like even with his son, he said that, um, you know, he'll smack his son in the chest and he said that like, uh, oh, you 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 a man, why you inside of my house? Uh, you're going to end every sentence with the word sir at the end of it. And you could tell like every time, you, oh, oh, you a man now, you feel like you're a man right now. He was telling everybody how they were feeling and expressing it. So I felt like Charles Maxson's character throughout the whole time radiated and oozed a confidence that not a lot of villains could or antagonists could feel at the point in time, um, point in time. you know, uh, especially the way that he talked to death. He gave death a voice. And, you know, even when he told his actual story, you know, oh, the, the, the death told me, uh, I'm going to come and get you, boy. And you know what I mean? And I grabbed that sickle and I threw that sickle all the way over there. And he was like, I'm going to get you next time. And, you know, he gave a voice to all the characters without them having to always speak. And I felt like even though you had one character like Denzel Washington who dominated the, the airspace, it felt refreshing to have that dialogue, to be able to understand what every character f- felt from the aspect of this one particular person. That makes sense what I'm saying? So I, I, I absolutely, I like that. <clears throat> Yeah, um, it's Denzel, and so it's hard. It's Denzel in a movie that he helped produce in a play that he was in that he directed. So, I mean, him being good in the movie and him being able to, you know, it'd be weird if he was if he had a bad performance. It would be out of character if he had a bad performance. Um, some of Troy's behavior, I, it, it is wild. This man walked walked into his in the house and straight up so I am gonna continue my affair because it makes me happy and I'm like God that is a level of ruthless honesty that Jesus like some people don't that, like it though man some people don't like it man. but it's, it's an honesty that need need needed to be there and it's it's an authentic honesty uh, even though it felt fucking like. It felt like a bunch of like daggers being like stabbed in that heart. You felt for that woman when he said that, but yeah. at the same token, it's a brutal honesty. It and happened, I think that yeah, go ahead. It happened to a lot that I'm sure a lot of older black women, especially like you know the grandma age, probably related to that because um there there are a few grandpas out there who were trifling and who had a kid on the other side of the town that 
grandma knew about and she and and knew about that nigga. So, uh, speaking of uh, Rose, let's get to the relationship and let's get to Viola Davis. Uh, she won an Academy Award for this role as for Best Supporting Actress, which is weird. It's like she's the leading actress in the movie. Why is it supporting? But I don't get how the awards nominated. It's because she did. She she didn't had about a third of the lines as Denzel. That's why. Very good. Yeah, that, that maybe I always. It's just something that I always thought. I was like, okay, if you're the clear lead woman and he's the clear lead dude, it would be leading actress nominations. But that's that's the point. Viola Davis uh, won this award deservingly. So uh, she's now an EGOT. She's since uh, she already had a Tony. She's won a Grammy and an Emmy since then. So she is an EGOT, and I believe she's the first. She. Uh, it's something like I can't. Whoopi was the first I, black woman to get an EGOT. She's the first. She was the first black woman. There was some. I think um, there's some distinction that Viola Davis has. But and I'll look that up while you guys talk about her performance as well as the relationship between her and Troy. We'll start things off with you, JT. Uh, Viola Davis is wonderful in this film. Just absolutely sublime. A joy to watch on the screen. She has such a. a like a strong presence that fits just directly underneath Denzel's and it works like perfect for the characters. Now I'm sure these two have done, have done this, this, these roles a hundred times or whatever. So this was probably nothing new to them to come here and knock it out the park. But Viola Davis's actions, her activities, you know, the way she had her own relationship with the people who were coming to the house was just so well done to me. Uh, I, I was I, I was just happy. Just it's, it's just a well-crafted character that they gave to, to Rose. And Viola Davis just knocks it out to part. Yeah, see, um, I, I liked her character. Um, I didn't like her character until I was kind of confused by her relationship with like the characters like Lions, because Lions looked at her like very intimately that I just kind of could not read at a point in time. Um, but you could definitely see that like her place is acknowledged in the house more so than what. Troy acknowledged inside the house like he would say that she's a good woman she did all these things but it was Bono who had to remind Troy that she was a good woman and that she was um, like uh, had a place in the house it was Lyons who who had to tell that like hey Rose I'm trying to do this thing for Troy please let me do this thing for Troy so it, it, it felt like she had to be the Jiminy Cricket for Troy in a lot of ways and Troy had to like kind of acknowledge that in some parts um, that she was the better half of him no pun intended um, um, but yes I would say that like um, she did a fantastic job the chemistry was like outstanding between the two Um I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, Viola Davis' character. I, I felt like <laughs> she read that character well. I, I felt for that character pretty well, especially at the towards the very end. I felt for that character. I felt that pain, and she owned that very pain. Even when she was throwing out snot bubbles, she fucking owned that character pretty fucking well. <laughs> she threw out those not bubbles, dog. I was like, oh yeah, she 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 was having a really good day. She was eating some pocket chips at the time. No, she would have threw up if she had a pocket chip. But <laughs> um, this reminds me of um, a joke that, um, that kind of touchy Aerie Spears tells about 
you know about the movie Heat between Robert De Niro and um, and Al Pacino, two legendary heavyweight actors able to have dialogue kind of go face to face and like, hey, the energy is matching. I felt that with Viola Davis and Denzel in this. It's like Viola, even though she hadn't won an Oscar at this point, but she won after for this movie, she is like uh, one of those actresses who can be on the level of somebody like a Denzel. And Denzel's, of course, who he is. And I felt like, okay, this is two equals going at it in a scene, not necessarily combative, but actually uplifting and making a scene better because they're both, you know, in the dialogue. And she uh, she kind of won when when the snot bubbles came. I was like, OK, she she want this badly. So <laughs> yeah. it was I really enjoyed her performance. So history, you picked this movie for our month of bad romances, toxic romances. Um, what was your reasoning for picking this movie for the, the toxic romance? Um, having keep in mind, I already mentioned that the nigga was cheating on her and uh, told her straight up, "Yeah, I'm gonna keep doing that." Um, so originally, my movie was gonna be um, Titanic, um, but we we wound up switching because of the fact that uh, it was JT's week. But I initially picked Titanic uh, for last week. Because of the fact that it was supposed to be the anniversary, but I thought that like I didn't want to change the movie initially because of the fact that like I thought that that was very much so still a toxic relationship. The problem is Titanic is like three and a half hours long. It is Avengers. Nah, that wasn't gonna happen. That was Avengers Endgame levels of like fucking of a movie. So three and a half hours. A rerun. A rerun. We yeah. all seen it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, you know I'm, how it ends. A part of me was like, yeah, exactly. Uh, Slumper. Bring on the water, boy. <laughs> Just like, you know. Spoiler, the ship doesn't make it. Yeah. No, neither does Jack. <laughs> but I felt like that was a toxic relationship. I drowned his punk ass. There was enough room on that on that door. <laughs> so Titanic would have been in great. the gang. Titanic would have been was a good example of a uh, of a toxic relationship. It was just too long of a movie, but also I wanted a movie that like I never watched before, and to be able to actually kind of like get a different perspective. So it was really because of that. I wanted to see something new and different, and I don't regret it. I'm I'm glad that I watched this film other than going back to Titanic and uh, being able to actually get something that is very digestible. And Titanic, mm-hmm. I felt like it was very overrated. When, when, and that was going to be one of the things I was going to say. I felt like Titanic is a toxic relationship, not only on screen, but also with our relationship with media. Titanic is one of those movies. We have a very, very, very toxic relationship. Why are you film. saying we? I, I say that in the generalization for us as people. We the as people. We. Yeah, we as people have a toxic relationship with that film. It's a very, very right. bad relationship. Let's get into some of the other characters of the movie. Um, Troy is probably the more prominent, not Troy, Lord have mercy, Corey is the more prominent of two sons. We do see uh, Russell Hornsby. He was also in the 2010 revival of the play. And people, if you see this movie, you may know him as Charles Flannery, uh, Flannery on uh, the series BMF, who universally is probably the least like nigga on the show because like dog you you are too much but anyway um but Corey played by Jovan Adoko I'm probably butchering his name 
He is. What did y'all think of him? What did? What was your read on Corey and the Corey Troy dynamic in this movie? He he got the short end of the stick, and there was no carrot, just stick. Ah, yeah. Um, Reflecting on that, I I kind of agree because it's just like it really seemed like Troy and I. On one level, I get it. Them people who grew up back then, especially the closer you get to, hey, it wasn't that long ago we were slaves and shit like that. They had it a lot harder, and they might be, you know, and they instilling their kids a lot harder. But it really seemed like Troy kind of went a little too, a little too excessive with with Corey and how in their relationship, and it was really uneven. Like you didn't, you didn't get really, and he even said it. I don't have to like you, but. Like people don't have to like you, they have to respect you. And it's just like, dog, it's this is a little too much for me. Yes and JT? no. Yes and no. Um, I do think that like he was terrible. Apologies, as, I didn't mean to cut to cut you off, JT. You were you're making a point. I was done with my point. I'm I'm trying to oh. see why history. I always say yes and no. Come on out with it. Um. Well. Cool, JT. I won't go in the gray area, okay? I'm going to go with no. He did do a fantastic job as a father. Fantastic. Yeah. See why I said yes or no? Fuck y'all niggas. Let me talk. Let me say my point. Let me do what I do. Okay? So, yes. Sir, the the, the (laughs) anger is not necessary. No, no. Go right ahead. All right. So, reason why I say, uh, I'm joking with y'all, man. Um, So, here's the thing. I feel like with him, Troy, uh, Troy, you got a relationship that I know that we you said slavery aspect of instilling toughness, but I feel like that's a relationship that we have gotten straight through generationally. That conversation that he had with his son is a kind of the same conversation that I had with my father before as well. It, that doesn't mean that Troy, he is a bad man that doesn't know how to say good things sometimes. That's the that's the no. I'm sorry. I apologize. I worded that wrong. He's a man that's trying to be do good, even though he's a bad person. That makes sense. What I'm saying. So he's like, um, he's like grew off of fucking like despicable me. So you saying he was in the Suicide Squad? Like he, he's a bad person that can do some good. Yeah, he's a bad person that could do some good. So that conversation that he had was like, I don't like you. You know, it felt like it, that 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 speech was also about to say, shit, I love you. That's why I do this. And that's the same conversation that men had for long, for years with their sons. They didn't have to give them hugs. They didn't have to give them kisses or anything like that. They just was like, I just do this because it's a duty. Does that mean that I don't love you? And that that come uh, it's just an unspoken version of love, but again, it's a toxic as love. So that's where the yes and no comes into play. Is the fact that is it is it love or is it the fact of of the aspect of duty? And that's what he kept talking about was the duty aspect of it. But do duty reconcile with love? Not duty. It, it, but that's what he was saying. It's my duty. That's what he said. He said it multiple times. It's my duty. I, I owe you. That's a. He kept saying it as that. It was his duty to do that. So 
um, but we were taught that that was love. That's what a person does when they be affectionate to you. That's what they do to actually say that I am here for you. I am going to be this piece of foundation for you is that, oh, because of the fact that I cook clean and I do these other things inside this household, that's what makes me be a good parent. That's what makes me say that. I love you without having to actually say the words. And that's a that's a very, very, very bad relationship that you have. Sometimes it's just nice to be able to actually just say the actual fucking words that no, son, I don't like you. I love you. The reason why I love you and I care for you and examples of this is because I do this, this and this. If he would have just simply added that word to the, uh, that that one part of that sentence to that whole that whole paragraph or dissertation that she gave it would have changed the dynamic and the relationship for him throughout the actual uh, film itself. Just that one scene alone probably would have changed the way that uh, Corey looked at his dad. All right, let's talk briefly about the uh, some of the other Maxon characters. Um, Michael T. Williamson uh, played Gabriel Maxon. He was also in the in the 2010 revival of the play. And I'm going to butcher this young lady's name, Sanaya Sidney. I think I got that right. She was Ray Nell. Um, and finally, Mr. Uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson as John. John. John ain't even a name. What the hell? Jim Bono. Yes. So um, of the of the non-Viola, the non-Troy, and the non-Rose uh, characters, and non-Corey, who among the other cast members either stood out to you or you really enjoyed their performance overall. That's both a hard you guys. Let's start a- off with JT. But Kelty, I mean, you know, he did his little job pretty good. Uh, it's, it, it's, in my opinion, it's hard, it's hard to play like a mentally handicapped person and still be dignified and respectful. And I think he told that line very nicely. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought that Corey was there, you know, anybody could have played the kid and I don't think it would have been much different uh, just because he really didn't matter much to the story. Like the story happened to him. He wasn't in the story. You know what I'm saying? So he was just kind of a lesser character. But the whole thing with Lions, and especially when he tried to come back and give that $10 back, and then you see how Troy acting funny. No, nah, no, nah, you take that, put that in the bank. Next time you want to... That that shit sounded familiar. I tell you. I, 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 not my father. My, I got a good dad. But that that shit... Yeah, that, I've, I've heard that from some I'm with you. <laughs> Lions and Troy's relationship, it's one of those things that maybe it's explored more in the play, but I really, or in, in the novel, I think, yeah, the play, I would have liked some more of Lions and Troy because clearly there's a lot that they've been through. Yeah. And, and it's just like, man, Lions, he he probably got a, got it a lot worse than Corey. Also, he, he, you know, Troy was not with his mama, so there's there's probably a lot more well, he didn't. Yeah. Well, he didn't get it from him. You got to think about it. He technically did not get it from him. And reason being is because of the fact that Troy was in prison for 15 years, at oh, least. Oh, yeah, right. So that's he that's did that's not get it to him. And then you got to think about it. By the time he got out of prison, he even admitted that he was already date, um, started dating Rose. And um, what? Corey is 17 years old. So Lyons is only in his 30s. 
So he did not give it to Lions at all. The problem is with the relationship with him and Lions is the fact that he was never there for Lions. And now Lions is saying kind of like, man, it's kind of time for you to like do a little something to help me out. And now it's it's a it's a talk it's a it's a very toxic relationship that goes into like I said again what I said about like if Corey if he would have just told Corey that I love you you mean Corey would have without a doubt if he would have said I love you that the reason why I do this because I love you Corey would have without a doubt would have been okay with the fact that give, giving up football and worked at that, that job I that's what I think inside of that but no at the end of the day the reason Troy did that is because he thought that Corey was going to get screwed by the same forces that kept him back and it wasn't Correct. because he thought he was that he thought Corey was going to be better than him it was that he thought Corey was going to feel the same disappointment and be hollow like he was yes and that was much more poignant but yet you know it was it was more on the undertones as, as to why been, he was doing that it's one but of those it, things where it's like he could have communicated that like hey son i don't no, know how, how can you communicate I that, that i think i think that motherfuckers is too racist for you to be successful without coming out and saying well, that he, and he did in so many words he did he but did say it, his he said it every was, time like like uh, like rose told him the world is changing you just can't see it and things is getting better. You know, there is opportunity out there for us black people now. And you not letting the boy find those opportunities and blaze his own trail. Mm-hmm. And that was really a big, a big shame because he might have been something big on a football field. He might have gone to college on a scholarship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead, he joins the Marines. And who knows? Thank God he joined. Things. It looks like he. It, it was in the early. They, they don't specify the time frame of it's just the 50s. Ooh, thank God he didn't join in like the early fifties because he would have been in Korea. And nah, nigga, yeah. you, he was in now, Vietnam. Now you're son. Oh shit, he was in Vietnam, God nigga. <laughs> yeah, he he was yeah, he was so hanging he, out with Bubba ass right, that was going okay. to trumpet. Uh, All right, so Troy, <laughs> no, Corey is uh, he his life is fucked. Uh, yeah, that's there. I mean, and the, he was the it, odds of go ahead. John McCain is basically the best case scenario for a Vietnam veteran. And he really couldn't move his arm for the rest of his life because he was a fucking POW. So, yeah, that best case scenario. Yeah. Or you end up like every Vietnam vet that you've seen in a lot of places, sadly, because, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of treated those people like shit. But anyway, let's get into uh, some final thoughts on the movie. Uh, JT, what would be your standout scene or your standout sequence of the movie since this is more like a play what would be like your standout dialogue piece uh i really liked uh viola's um her her speech uh right at the end there uh where she was talking about her place in it all and how you know she had intertwined them them identities too much you know in a marriage it's important that you have your own identity and you know you see it a lot when you know when when a woman has kids and, and all of a sudden the kids now become her identity and she she got to remember that she's still a person and she still matters and so i thought that viola davis did a, a great job with her monologue doing that uh denzel probably had too many good monologues to pick just one so i'm just gonna stick with that all right history what about you i'm gonna say steven henderson's uh jim bonnell's uh because I'm, um, I would love to pick a Viola Davis scenes, but I'm gonna let, I'll, I'll let you have that. Um, Jim Bono's uh, bar scene where he said about I learned you very well. It's, with the dominoes, yeah, with the dominoes, I learned you very well. But I, it's 
I feel like Bono's character has done a good job by basically telling Troy, you ain't that slick, nigga, as you think you are. You know, I, I know what you, you're doing. He's um, the one who found out, who knew about the affair. He was like, dog, I know you're sloppy with your work. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And he called him out at it in the very first five minutes of the movie, man. But I think Alberta. that the very... The, I think the very end. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm not gonna say the bar scene. I'm gonna say the actual scene right before he had to come out about the, uh, about uh, having an affair, because he had the conversation that I think a lot of dudes have with their friends when they have their relationship, and they have to have this kind of like this indirect way of saying this. And like, hey, dog, you you gotta admit you fucked up, you know, and. It's a it's a hard conversation to have with your friend. It's a hard conversation to have with another guy. You know what I mean? Because I can tell you some pretty fucking bad stories where un, unspoken conversations has happened, and we basically let you basically let your friend falter in their relationship or their connection because of the fact that you stuck to this kind of this guy code of like that happens over there. I mind my business over here. And Bono did a really good job by basically just being like, I'm just saying, Troy, you mean she's a good woman. And that's what he, that's what he kept trying to tell him the whole time. I'm just saying, Troy, you mean she's good. And you can see that Troy just kept, he didn't even say anything to Troy. He just was like, I'm just saying, that's a good woman in there. And Troy was having to tell, like reconcile with the bullshit that he was doing within himself. So I I love Jim uh, Jim Bono's character for putting Troy in a space that unfortunately Rose could not put him into. A good a good friend will tell you about yourself. Yeah, and that's what he did. A good friend won't snitch on you like it would have been some bullshit. It would have been some. It's a fuck move to go behind your friend's back and be like, "Hey, your husband's cheating on you." Mm-hmm. But if you tell your friend, "Hey, you you kind of fucking up." That's yeah. And Bono, I think, or Bono, however they pronounce it in Bono. the movie, he, he walked the line. He walked that line, and he, he was a good friend. For me, um, one scene that does stand out, and it, it's a Denzel scene. It's the scene where he talks about Gabe, and he talks about how Gabe's his, his, um, his government payout is what allowed him to buy his house. And you can feel kind of the, like, I work as hard as I do, and I couldn't provide a roof over my family's head. It took my brother getting half his fucking head blown off in war. And now, like, how am I supposed to, like, truly, how can I truly look at myself as a man? And it does build on some of, like, there were some insecurities that I think that Troy had. His pro career not working out. The relationship with with Rose, with Alberta, like, there was a lot that was going on. And I think that scene kind of in my opinion, encapsulates that pretty well, where it's just, for all my hard work, I wouldn't have this without my younger brother almost getting killed. And I think that's a that was a really good scene. And it's just, and how it ends is pretty good, too, where he just doesn't yell or anything, knocks the coffee pot out the, off, and then just, just moves on with the rest of his day and gets drunk. So um, just a couple of more fun facts about the movie. Uh, movie was pretty big box. Was a, a, a modest box office success. Uh, made 
made on a budget of $24 million and earned $64.4 million. Um, a lot of award nominations and a lot of uh, awards won, of course. Viola won uh, the big one, the uh, Academy Award, but Denzel was also nominated for uh, Best Picture, Best Actor, and uh, August Wilson got a posthumous uh, nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. Sadly, he died in 2006 before a lot of his works could be adapted, but very good work. This is a part of what's called his Pittsburgh cycle. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is also a part of that cycle. Uh, definitely that try, and, try and look those up, watch that movie, and uh, be on the lookout because Denzel has said, rest of his career, that's his goal to make sure that all of these movies, all of his works get made. And he, he's two for two so far because I think this is a good movie as well as Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But Let's get to the rankings of the movie or the ratings of the movie, I should say. Um, JT, what say you? What is your rating of Fences from 2016? The movie was long, uh, but the the dialogue was just so refreshing is the best word. The dialogue matters. You want to listen to people's stories. So it can't be anything less than an edger. Uh, I really think it could have been just just a few minutes shorter because, uh, man, my button was feeling it by the end of that view of time. <laughs> but uh, just just a fabulous movie that I highly recommend you watch. As far as uh, Denzel Washington's toxicity, Denzel Washington is the only toxic person in the movie. Everybody else he's surrounded yeah. with is a bunch of good people trying to do their best. And Denzel is the lone standout piece of shit. And I tell you what, nobody plays a piece of shit better than Denzel Washington. Mm. Hmm. Mm. It's something special when he does a job. Better piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> Alonzo Harris in Training Day or Troy Maxson in Fences. Oh, Alonzo was a better piece of shit. But Troy was such an established piece of shit. His, his shittiness had been dumped onto him from other people. And he stewed in it so long that shit that was dumped on him became his armor. He was fermented and shit. Dog, that shit hardened up, and he walked around with it all day, talking about look at how, look at how much the white man has dumped on me. Look at how much society has been evil to me. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, man, it's just walking piece of shit. Mm. I history. What about you? I would almost. I think that like there's mul- multiple pieces of shit in the, the, the film. I, I had one problem with with the film. You mean Angela? <laughs> Uh, Alberta, 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 Alberta. Yeah. Alberta the sad a, chick that we never see. Yeah, apparently, who who's health, who's a, a healthy girl, which is my uh, past speak for thick. She from Florida, so yeah, yeah, she was probably toxic too. She from Florida, nine times out of ten, she was toxic. Yeah, I felt like uh, <laughs> I felt like Corey was toxic, unfortunately, and I felt like Lyons was toxic. And Wait, think, how would you say Corey is toxic? Lions, I can see. But I think how it's would an you inheritance. Say Corey is toxic? I think it was an inheritance. I think he became bitter as well towards it. And I think that that's what led to the scene where you've seen uh, Troy and Corey had the fight scene. Uh, Corey wound up actually, like, you know, getting off the thing, uh, getting trying to walk up the stairs. And he was like, move, you're in my way. You know, and instead of just saying, excuse me, this, that situation could have just been simple. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm excuse me, dad. And he just walked inside. And I think that you seen that bitterness and that. And I think that because of the fact of how much shit 
uh, kind of what JT was saying was there that it just rubbed off and obviously left a lot of fucking like speckles. I guess that's what it's called, speckles on the side of the toilet for everybody else. So uh, I felt like that's what it was for Corey. Corey wanted to be a good man, but it took his mom snapping him back into place, redoing the cycle of what she was doing with Troy. I got to remind you to be a good man. I got to remind you that this is part of your family. You can't accept it. You got to take the crookeds with the straights, right? And so um, this family was putting back this toxic shit, even though this man kind of came there at peace at one point in time. So now he got to go back and now his family got to make him feel like shit again for not wanting to go to his dad's funeral. So I think that because of the fact of how shitty a person Troy was, he was actually making other people become Troy, uh, like shitty at people as well. And they were basically kind of going through Stockholm Syndrome. That's the easiest way to say it. They went through a kind of a Stockholm Syndrome aspect of it. Like my my perpetrator is not that bad. He, he mean, you could have you could have went with somebody worse. And that's what it felt like. It, that's what the speech was for Vi- Viola Davis. And that's what the speech was for Lyons at the end to co- towards Corey. So even the daughter, the daughter was like, oh, we, what's this song? You know about Blue and everything like that. They were trying to make them feel at peace with a bad relationship that he had with his dad. But for my rating for this film, I think that because of the fact that it did a great job by showing the trauma that is pushed on to families over and over and fucking over again, I absolutely gave this film a winner because of the fact that the personal trauma, I I guess I related to this film too much because of my personal family as well. So I actually gave this film a um, uh, actual winner. And a lot of times, I'm not going to lie to you, Troy reminded me of my dad. You mean, and I think I've told y'all stories about my dad and his personal experience in life. So when that man said that, like, I could have been better than Babe Ruth, I was better than Jackie Robinson and everything like that. And he was talking about his stats versus everybody else. You mean tell me that you never had a person that you heard that said that I fucking deserved that opportunity and you fucking got it. All you did was you did nothing in life and you fucking got it. And that was a bitterness that just kept building up. And you seen that go over to his fucking son. It went over to his wife. She said it. I let you take up all the space in the room. That was a jealousy moment as well. That was a frustrating moment as well. So he was putting the same pressure on her that she uh, that she was feeling, uh, that he was personally feeling as well. The same thing that he was feeling on his son. So I think that that was a really good movie. I think that that, that was a winner. All right. For me... Um Y'all know I'm I'm anti. Once a movie get past two hours, I'm I'm at that point where it's like, all right, all movies can be uh, all movies can be ninety minutes if they need to be. But be that as it may, I will give this movie if it was like it's 139 minutes. If it was just like even 10, 15 minutes shorter, it'd be a solid winner, no doubt. But it's nothing less than an edger. Like you've got two like. There's not a bad actor among these. It's a very short cast, and there's only what? There, yeah, there's only like seven people, people that matter. Seven people that are in this movie that you focus on. Really, six that matter. You're right, but there's not a bad actor or actress among them. So the the quality of the acting is good. The dialogue is good because the original play is good. Yeah, it it's an edger at the very least. At the very least, it's a high edger. Shorter, if it was just eh, a little shorter, 
winter silently for me but i think we're all agreed this is a really good movie so if you haven't seen fences it's definitely a good palate cleanser if you've been uh, following us through through this journey of uh, some of these movies that have not been as good man but now next month in the month of may we are fast approaching the official start of summer and it's time to get into some more positive romance we will uh we'll let you know on the discord what the movies are gonna be for this month uh i don't think even think we know low-key but um yeah it's well, we got it, one it, more movie next week is, we got one more movie next week i mean april is oh yeah what oh What's love and basketball shit <laughs> holy shit yeah it's love and basketball i forgot <laughs> i forgot that april i thought april was in i thought this was the 20 the the week i thought this was the last week of april so yeah uh next week love and basketball and then may is the month of, po- of more positive romance history uh close out the show and then give it to jt for the voice of reason man um this was pretty interesting podcast thanks a lot for very much listening to us make sure you check out that uh that link for mech arena try it out see how it goes man um and definitely message us let us know that you played it and we will play it with you via mobile i will definitely say this is a better game a mobile it's a fantastic game mobile wise uh with that also uh you can find us on discord Twitch, Twitter, not Twitch, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, as well as TikTok, and YouTube. Join our YouTube. We are actually on our actual sub goal right now, and we are on a goal actually as well on our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your audio acoustical pleasures from. Now, with that, man, we've had a long week, man, and we've been treading along with these toxic guys' relationships. But sometimes we need our Jiminy Cricket. We need our actual voice of reason to be able to actually put us back on a straight and narrow and make us feel positive when all of those dark skies are starting to get cloudy and making lots of thunderstorm sounds outside. With that, we turn to the voice of reason. JT, what's this week's voice of reason? This week's voice is talking to me about love. You know, we talking about toxic love and what we don't want to see. Now, both of our movies today had a lot to do with love. We see in What's Love Got to Do With It, Tina Turner has been abused and she asks herself, what does love have to do with life? It's just a secondhand emotion, right? Wrong. I'm here to let you know today, according to 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It says, those who do not know love do not know God because God is love. So if you really want to bring some God into your situation, you got to spread the love. In Fences, we saw a man who tried to build a fence between the world and himself so he didn't have to let nobody in and be vulnerable. How much different would his life have been if he just showed love to everybody who actually meant something to him? And I tell you what, when you show love to people, that's when they can finally get a breakthrough to see God. And people need it. When you are feeling all alone, you need to reach out to somebody else and trust that their love for you is gonna come through. And more often than not, when you reach your hand out, somebody else will take it. Thanks for watching, y'all. Awesome, and don't forget, man, check out that actual number right on our our chat. It's 1-800-799-SAFE for the domestic violence. Our text start to 888-788. That's again, 888-788, if you're going through domestic violence. Don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Oh, God, Jesus. Man, end this goddamn stream. End this fucking stream. <laughs>